Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Oh, good morning. Happy almost end of summer. I'm sorry. I know, that was a collective boo. Like, whoa, why are you bringing that up, man? That's not nice. Is anybody else, this has nothing to do with the message. I was talking with a group of our leaders this morning. We were meeting for prayer. Is this, is it just me? Is this like a weird time of the year on Cape Cod? It just like, it's like slack tide. We can't figure out what we're doing. It's almost over. It's not over. And my experience has been this, that people on Cape Cod, like, especially people who live here year-round, like, these are the weeks right now where we go, oh, no. We haven't done anything fun on Cape Cod, and you try and squeeze it all into two weeks. Every lobster roll, all your favorite ice cream stands, every beach, it's like two weeks, and then boom, later a day happens, and off we run to the school year. So next weekend, we're having one service all together, kind of a Labor Day weekend launch party. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But we've been talking now for a few weeks, uh, kind of in a broad topic, about this is the way. And what we're really talking about is the way we follow Jesus. This is the way we follow Jesus. And I, I want to talk today about what it looks like, the, the, the journey of discovery, of coming to faith in Christ and what those next steps look like. You see, the Bible is one story. It's made up of lots of little stories, and it has dozens and dozens of books and written over a period of thousands of years by 40 different authors. I mean, it's, there's a lot. But when you boil it right down, it's one story. It's the story of Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. It's the story of God's work in the world that culminates in the person of Jesus, and it's a true story. In fact, you could think of it this way. The Old Testament is the story of how we search and try to make it on our own, and how futile that is. In fact, much of the Old Testament is written in a story about the nation of Israel, and God literally just chooses them as a, a, a vehicle, as a, a, almost a, a living parable of how he works in the world. And so this whole Old Testament story is the story of our futile search to try and make it work, and And then we come to the Gospels. And the Gospels is the story of how Jesus made a way for us to relate to God. And if you would, the the rest of the New Testament, the the epistles, as it were, the letters and uh, such by people like Paul and Peter and James and John, those, those are the stories about how it is that we live it out. Jesus opened a door for us to have a relationship with God. And the rest of the New Testament is the story about how we hold that door open for the world around us and how we walk through it. 
I like that picture of how we hold the door open. Jesus made a way. He created a door for everyone to be able to come to God. And we, his followers, 2,000 years later, are very much just holding that door open for the world to see who Jesus is and what he wants to do for them. There's this great verse that's a good place to begin. It's in Acts chapter 15, and the book of Acts is written by Luke, and it's sort of a a book of history. It's like a a follow-on to the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we come to Acts, which sort of tells what happened right after this history of the early churches. They're sort of trying to figure out, and there's this fascinating moment in Acts chapter 15 where the church is like the leaders in the church and you've got Peter and you've got James and you've got Paul and they're just they're just like trying to figure out and honestly they're not getting along they're like you know because because they were coming out of this Old Testament system and out of Judaism and and there were a lot of people that were like listen we're Jews and and you got to be Jewish and if you want to be Jew you know you want to be Christian you got to be a Jewish Christian and 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 without getting graphic that involved some surgery for the males and this was an impediment like people were like and they were like you you want to follow Jesus you've got to be circumcised and and there's this moment where the church meets and they they come to that and they say no 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 and I love I love how how James the the leader in the church in Jerusalem puts it he says in verse 19 of chapter 15 he says and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I love that. Man, why are you guys making this harder than Jesus made it? We're, this is, Jesus didn't tell the Gentiles they had to become Jewish. He told them to believe in him let's not make it more difficult than jesus made it it was a profound turning moment in the life of the early church i love that let's not make it more difficult than we need to make it let's hold open the door so everyone can encounter Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, the New Testament story is just full of these encounters. In fact, there's one great encounter, and I, I want to I go to that one. If you've got your Bibles and you're following along, it's Acts chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible or you've got it on your app, you can turn there. We're going to put it on the screen. But in Acts chapter 8, there's this story where, where God, he, he, he comes through his spirit. He comes and he, he tells Philip. Now, Philip's an interesting cat, right? He, we, he, he's not Philip the disciple who became an apostle. That's a different Philip. This is, this is Philip who starts out as a deacon in the church, literally one who was picked because he was reliable to help lead in serving the people in the church and the, the physical human needs of the church. But then we discover that that Philip is a he's an evangelist I'm going to come back to that in a moment but he, he's just he just loves talking to people about Jesus you ever met someone like this man they just will not shut up about Jesus I mean there's all the time everything Jesus 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 I mean Philip was this guy and he was good at it and so Jesus uh, God comes to him and he says hey 
I want you to go because there's someone I want you to talk with. Just, just go. Just go right now. I'm setting this up. And, 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 and God orchestrates this encounter with this man whose name we don't know, but we know something about him. We know that he was a, a leader in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. Her name was Candace, and he was a, a court leader. He was, it was a man of power, and we know that he was, because the text tells us, he was a eunuch. This, was, this is pretty common. He had been castrated, and that was sort of what happened in the culture of the day. And, and somehow, we don't know the story behind it, but somehow... His, his mind and heart had been turned towards the God of Israel. He was like, man, I need to know what is happening here. So he's making the journey. He's, he's like on a pilgrimage. He's on a, a journey of discovery. He just, like, I've got to figure this out. He's going to Jerusalem. Where else would you go? Like, I'm just going to go and see what I can see and and while he's going, it says he's in a, he's in a chariot and he's reading. And, he, and it tells us he's reading in a passage we happen to know is from the, uh, the prophet Isaiah. It's from Isaiah 53, if you want to go back and read. And he's reading and he's like, ah, this is, what is this? Because in Isaiah 53, it's talking about a suffering servant. And it's talking about, it, we know it's talking about the Messiah, but it was confusing. He's like, I don't know, what is this? This like, you know, is this someone who's coming? Is this the prophet Isaiah talking about himself? I just, I don't understand. He's in this journey and he's trying to figure it out. And God says, Philip, this is going to be perfect. Go and meet this guy. So Philip makes his way to this spirit-led encounter and he meets this man from Ethiopia. And let me pick up the conversation in Acts chapter 8 and verse 34. It says, the eunuchs asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself? Or someone else. Like, I'm reading this. I'm reading this. And I... I and, and here's what's clear. Like, something is happening in this guy's heart that Philip had nothing to do with. And he doesn't get it. He's like, like, like God is at move. The Spirit is like leading this guy. And he's prompting him. And he's saying, hey, 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 there's something here and you need it. There's some, there, there, and he doesn't know what it is. And he can't figure it out. And he's reading in Isaiah 53, and he's like this talking about the suffering servant, and I don't know, is it Isaiah? And if, you, and if you wonder why he's confused, go back and read Isaiah 53 just all by itself and see if it makes sense to you, because I've read it, and I don't, I like, you know, I need someone to explain it to me. And he says, ah, is he talking about himself or someone else? Huh. Verse 35, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> he was like, oh, oh, this is too easy. Is he talking about himself or someone else? Oh, he, he was just here. Oh, let me tell you about Jesus, who changed my life, who changed the world. That's who it was talking about. And he wants to do the same for you. 
You see, Christianity is a, a life of discovery. It's not, it, it's not a, a single moment. It's a, it's a journey. And there's a, there's a pathway that comes up to where we encounter Christ. And then there's a, a journey after. And, and the phrase we often use here is it's a life of discovery. And that's what's happening here. But, but along that way, we're not alone, right? There's the, there's the, the story of Scripture. And, and, and Scripture is authoritative and it's powerful in our lives. And there's the role of the Holy Spirit that, that comes alongside us and, and convicts us and prompts us and says, hey, 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 just like it's doing here, Philip, this is for you. Like, this is, this is for you. Ask the question. Go find out the answer. Travel to Jerusalem. Figure this out. We're not alone. And, and, and honestly, sometimes God sends guides into our lives. He sends... He sends people, mentors, that come alongside us, like Philip, the evangelist. People that just love to talk about Jesus. And we need good guides. My, my wife, I, I, I love giving tours. This is like a little, like little window into me. I love giving tours of Cape Cod. Drives my wife crazy. When we have friends visit, she's like, you take them. I've heard this drill too many times. I mean, I'm dry. I love telling the history. Oh, this is where the little story of the boy who saved Falmouth. And I just, I just love, like, I'm going to, honestly, folks, I'm going to retire and buy me a duck boat. And I'm gonna, you're going to see Pastor Ben driving around town. And when I get him out in the water, I'm going to say, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> oh, the boat's rocking. Oh. I just love, I do. I just, I love telling, I'm a, yeah, I'm. I, I love talking about Jesus and I honestly I've met over my life some people who I believe God gave the gift of evangelism to in other words you just gave them a passion and a gift for talking to people some of you will know my dear friend Josh who passed away a few years ago just much much too young and he's a few years younger than I am but I'm going to tell you what Cape Cod Church is full of people who are here because of the influence of this one guy Never went, to, never went to college, never mind Bible college or seminary. He just, he just read the Bible. He just, this, this dude just loved Jesus, and he wouldn't shut up about it. I mean, he just... I was talking to somebody here just a, a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me the story about how at work he met Josh. And it's just one of literally probably dozens of stories at Cape Cod Church, how he met this guy, and he said, honestly, he says, it changed my life. He said, he introduced me to Jesus and my life has never been the same. Maybe you have someone in your life like that who just, man, they just, they, they just would not stop talking. They could connect every dot back to Jesus. It wasn't about them, it was about Jesus. I remember some years back, Josh had come to me and he said, he said, hey, I'm talking to somebody at work about Jesus. And he said, they're, they're a reader and they'd like to read something. Do you have anything you recommend? And I love making book recommendations. I mean, I'm, I love books and I love recommending books. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Tell me about them. And, and I recommended this book and it was a really good book and it was easy to digest. And I, advised, and I thought, this, this, will, this will be it. And so he gave him the book. And then about a month later, I saw him. I said, Josh, tell me. I said, how'd that work out? 
And he said, oh, he hated the book. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He said, dude, I gave him the wrong book. I should have gave him the Bible. Man, I was like, oh, I'm a bad pastor. I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, man. He's not wrong. There's something powerful about Scripture, and there's something powerful about how God brings a guide, a mentor, a voice into our life that that helps us in this, this life of discovery, this journey. And God may want to use you as one of those voices. You don't, you don't need a seminary education. You don't need the, the gift of gab. You just, you just need to have experienced a little bit of the work of Jesus in your life and want to share that with someone else and help them connect the dots and point them to Jesus. Because Christianity, after all, is a life of discovery. It's this journey to encountering Christ. And here's Philip, side of the road, talking with this government official, telling him about Jesus, and apparently he did a really good job. Because in the next verse, here's what it says. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Now, this is an interesting question because it tells us that, that the, the early habit of the church was so obvious that every time somebody followed Jesus, which is a very personal, internal, somewhat invisible decision, that they expressed it through this public ritual of baptism. And it was so common that this man from another country connected the dots and when he saw water, his first question is, okay, let's do this. I'm ready. What's to stop me from being baptized? And I, 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 I want to go to the next verse though because Philip, as eager as he is in verse 37, he says, you can if you believe with all your heart. I mean, you could, a hundred percent, we can do this, but I got, but first, if you believe. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Philip didn't want ritual without belief. Philip didn't want the religious ritual without the belief that goes behind it. You see, ritual can reflect belief, but it can't replace it. A religious ritual like baptism can be important because it reflects belief, but it can't replace it. And Philip just wants, like, the most important thing is, like, do you, like, do you believe this? Is it somewhere? Because what matters most is not whether you get wet. What matters most is that you have a true belief in who Jesus Christ is. Do you believe? Are you a true believer in Jesus Christ? Because what's on the outside doesn't matter. 
if it's not true to what's on the inside. Religious ritual can reflect belief, but it can never replace it. It's something we wear on the outside. So I just, uh, Tammy and I yesterday dropped off our son, our, our young man, our baby boy. He's not here, so I can say that, right? At college, sophomore year. You think we get used to this now? We're not quite used to it. It's still just, uh, it's maybe even more dramatic because we're counting down the years. This is number four. Over the years, I've collected like, I've collected more t-shirts, golf shirts, and hats with college logos. And I'm bitter because I feel like given what we pay for college, they should give these to parents for free. You should be able to walk into the store and go, I'm a parent, take anything you want, sir. Take anything you want. Yeah, thank you very much. But they don't. But I've been collecting them. And what I've discovered is that when you're, when you're wearing one of these things, it's like, a, it's like a code. People see it, right? And they're like, oh, hey, fight on, right? And that's like code for the school, right? You know, go Eagles, you know, go Friars. And back a couple years ago, uh, Tammy and I were on vacation and we were walking on the beach. We were over on, uh, we were on Martha's Vineyard and uh, we were walking along the beach and I had uh, a hat on. I think it was a hat from... Uh, uh, from one of the girls' schools, and guy walking down the beach just looks at me and goes, Hoya Saxa! And if you say that fast, it sounds like somebody's swearing at you. <laughs> I mean, just a random person, Hoya Saxa. I'm like, what? And I looked at him like, and he's like, Hoya Saxa. <laughs> and he pointed at the head. I'm like, like I don't know. I, I didn't go there. The kid went there. I don't even know what that means. Honestly, I was thinking about this last day. I still don't know what it means. <laughs> I probably should have looked it up. I think it's Latin for something, and I know someone's going to come and tell me after what it means, but I didn't know what it means and didn't care because I just had the T-shirt. I hadn't had the experience. Here's what I'm saying. At Cape Cod Church is a community we want you to encounter Jesus Christ and to experience him and to come to know him so well that you come to believe in him. Not just about him, but to believe in him. And then we want you to get the t-shirt. And we have nice t-shirts. But we wanted to start with this deep belief in who Jesus Christ is. Because it doesn't matter if you wear the shirt, if it's not rooted in what you believe, in your faith placed in the person of Jesus. And that's, that's what he's doing here. Philip's saying, oh man, listen, I'd love to be a part of your... Let me ask you though first, do you, do you believe this? Because that's what matters. Anybody can wear the t-shirt. But what really matters is do you truly believe in Jesus Christ? Now, Philip is not, I promise you, Philip is not doing this to discourage him from being baptized. He is, he is all, he is ready. He just wants to make sure it's for all the right reasons. So here's what it says in Acts 
chapter 8 and verse 38. It says, He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. You see, following after Jesus, believing in him is a faith decision. In fact, there's a, there's a verse, and I, I, I went over it, but the, the sound booth, the people running it are brilliant, so they'll follow me. Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is so important. I've quoted this more times than I can remember at Cape Cod Church, but it's, it's important, so let me read it to you. Uh, And I'm reading, this is from the King James, which I grew up memorizing. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Watch this now. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But all of that, all of that is private. It's something that no one can do for you, and they may not even be necessarily a witness to But baptism is a public declaration. In fact, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And then he gives us a way to do this. He gives us the act of of, of baptism, this, this public declaration of my faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm gonna give you a way that's not private, that's completely public to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. And honestly, baptism, did you, did you notice the verse here? It says, it says, he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized them. Didn't bring his bathing suit, no flip-flops, doesn't have a towel to dry off after. And this is not like a little bit of like, let me, let me flick some water on you. This is like, like, hey, all right, let's do this. Like down in the water. And honestly, there's something about baptism that is a bold declaration. It's like there's no, um, there's no uh, cool-looking way to be baptized. Your hair gets messy. Your clothes cling to you. Trust me, I've been doing this for 30 years, I know. I mean, it's just, it's, you're soaking wet. You're coming up out of the water, you're dripping. Man. And I think that's the point. I think it's just, it's just like, hey, do you believe? Here's a way to tell the world. It's a bold It's a bold declaration and it's a bold invitation. Like, hey, tell the whole world that you believe in me. There's something about that that I like. I'm full of college stories this weekend. I was thinking about this getting ready. Last year, uh, uh, right at the end of the school year, we were getting emails from our son's school. He goes to to a Catholic school, uh, Providence College. Um, I'm not sure he knew it was Catholic when he picked it, but it, it, sort of, it sort of is. And we've had some experience like that. And it, so it was interesting at the end of the year, um, and I've really, I really appreciate a, a lot of things about what this school has, has done. I'm 
separate story. But anyway, I get this email, and it's graduation. Now, he's not graduating, but they send out, here's the graduation events. I'm just curious. I'm just reading through it. Our other daughter was graduating. I'm just reading through it, reading through it, reading through it. And here's what I saw, right? Right in the middle of the graduation weekend events. There's like the parents gathering. There's the cookout on the lawn. There's all the stuff that you normally have. And then right in the middle of it, it says, there's graduation day confession. This is like before you go to graduation, you might want to stop by confession. Folks, I've been on campus at this college. There should be a lot of people at confession. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just saying. And I was like, I was like, look at that. Like, oh, by the way. Now, uh, differences of how we confess aside. I found myself strangely admiring that. I'm like, good on them. A bold invitation, like, hey, you got something you need to take care of? Like, whoa. I think baptism is, is meant to be this sort of declaration for the believer. It's Hey, tell the world. Tell the world. Tell the world that you believe in me. Connect yourself with believers over the last 2,000 years who followed in the very same pattern. Declare what Jesus Christ has done in your life that you confessed to him and he forgave you everything. You know what I love about baptism is that it's, it's public. There's people. Your friends, your family, your small group, your church community. Two weeks we're going to be having a baptism service and we'll go down to the ocean and there'll be a there'll be hundred or more people from our church gathered around watching. There'll be random strangers on the beach who thought they were coming to get a tan. And they're like, what? I love that, man. It's a bold declaration, like. You know, the purpose of the crowd is to confirm they see what you see. They believe what you believe. And they cheer you on. Hey, we see what God's doing in your life. We're with you. Let's go. What a beautiful, beautiful declaration. So Philip goes down into the water. And he baptizes this man, and it says that after that he was, he was swept away. It was just, just that fast it was over. But that story has come down to us for generations as a story of how we follow Jesus. A moment, we're going to pray, but after we pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And we've saved this for last. We've got some uh, pictures of our baptism service. I think they're from last year. We're going to sing to it and you'll get to see them. And they're, they're always beautiful and moving. But it might be this is the next step for you to 
a step of declaration. And you may have, you may have just accepted Christ. You may have placed your faith and trust and you're like in this new journey, this new life of discovery. And you're like, man, I am all in. And you can't wait. Like two weeks, like seems like, you know, way, way too long. And some of you, you may be here and you're like, man, I have been putting this off for years. But I'm ready to boldly declare my belief in Jesus Christ. What an incredible opportunity. So, I'd like to finish just by praying together for those who are taking that step. Would you bow with me? Father, For the person who is eagerly awaiting the moment of baptism, the chance to publicly declare their belief in Jesus Christ. For the one whose faith is brand new and full of questions and excitement, For the one whose belief happened at some point in the distant past, but they've never taken that step. For every one of these, Father, are deciding to follow you in baptism. My prayer for them is that their baptism would be a moment of defining. That it would confirm for those around them and even their own soul their belief, their faith in Jesus Christ. For every story, we give you glory, Father. We give you the honor. We recognize that you are the one that works through your spirit in our lives and you bring about change and transformation. You call us to you and to follow you. And with each person, we celebrate their story. We cheer for them. We say we see it too. We've experienced it. And we're with you. We pray this together. As a church. In Jesus' name.